One question Pastor Van asked me the last service was, who's my favorite football team? I am uh, now a committed Giants fan. <laughs> Somebody told me to say that uh, as, a, as they were welcoming me. It's not true. I'm a WVU fan, just to let you know. Uh, Um, I remember exactly where I was uh, 10 years ago this day um, during 9-11. It, it's kind of one of those days where if uh, anybody was alive during that time, I wasn't, uh, but during John F. Kennedy's assassination, you kind of remembered where you were when you heard the news. Um, very similar kind of event when our nation was attacked by terrorists I was at ABC um, in music class, hearing the news, just thinking, no, that can't be true. That can't be true. As the day goes on, we find out, indeed, it was true. The two towers did fall. Uh, Over 2,000-some people did pass away. There were many reactions during that time, coming from anger, worried, had some anxiety, not myself, Frightened. They didn't know what. People in the United States didn't know what to think. That following Sunday, droves of people came to churches. Many churches were filled as a result of that. People asking questions Why, God? Why did you allow this to happen? What did these people do to deserve such a death? I'm not going to answer that question today, thankfully. I'll let Pastor Van do that sometime in the future. But several months had passed since that, uh, the collapse of the towers, and our churches began to decrease in attendance. People were looking for answers, but... Maybe they didn't find the answers that they were looking for. I tell you this, that Christianity, the Word of God, does have answers for those kinds of questions. Indeed, it does. Some of you are here today, you're you're trying to find answers. You're trying to figure out, why do people gather together from different walks of life to meet here in this building to listen to some guy up there preaching the Word? Maybe that makes no sense to you, but I ask you to keep coming back. Listen as Jesus is being taught, and you will gain your answer. Whether you like it or not, it's a different story. But Christianity indeed does have answers to those questions, but those people that did leave, maybe they didn't get the answers that they were looking for. See, there are some messages out there, some Gospels that are being preached today in our pulpits are these prosperity messages where you believe in Jesus and you will get this, 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 and this. You'll have a new car. You'll have a new home. <laughs> You'll have lots of money. The crazy thing that I, every time I hear that is, look at Jesus, he didn't have anything, you know? And he died at the end of his life. Something's not matching up here. But anyways, there's also other Gospels preached out there that say if you do this, 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 and this, 
then you will gain some kind of merit from God. I just want to let you know that the Bible does not teach that kind of gospel. In fact, we hear something totally different coming from the mouth of Jesus in these scriptures. See, the gospel of our day says this. You come to Jesus and you're going to have life abundantly, which you will, but maybe not the way that they're saying it. Jesus says this. You come to me and die. The gospel in our world says, come to Jesus and live. Jesus says, come to me and die. In Mark chapter 8, we're going to be in the book of Mark, mainly chapter 10. But just real quickly, look at Mark chapter 8. I tell you what, sometimes when I read the words of Jesus, he just kind of blows my mind. I'm like, he shocks me. I wouldn't think he would say that, but he does. Because it's totally different from how I think. And that's what it is to follow Jesus. You're, it's a change of mind. And he says this. Then he called the crowd, in verse 34 of Mark chapter 8, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Well, that's, that's a different message. He probably wouldn't win anything for salesmanship. And he continues on in verse 35, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. That's not what we expect. Well, in order, we would think, well, in order to save our life, we, we, need, to, well, we need to hold on to it. But Jesus says something totally different. He says, lose your life. Die. That you might live. What? That's totally backwards. That's right. It is backwards. There is an ultimate cost to discipleship. An ultimate cost in following Jesus. Heaven gave up all to bring salvation. Jesus came and put on flesh in a sense, as a missionary coming from one culture to another. And it was much better there. He came down here and he actually put on human flesh to dwell among us, to die. That was his mission, to die for you, to die for me, thankfully. And he rose again from the dead. And he calls us to die to ourselves, to follow Not quite the message that's going to, you would think, win many hearts over. But many of you here have heard that message. You've died that you might live. We're going to look at two characters today in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. We're going to look at two characters. One is that... Un unsuspecting um, 
person that you wouldn't think that would enter into the kingdom of God. Like, ah, no, they, they won't enter in. Um, so we have this unlikely candidate. I'm using the word candidate, not, not refer to me, but that's how I'm going to use it. Okay, this unlikely candidate. No, they, they don't deserve the kingdom of God. Um, that's not how you approach the kingdom of God. And then we have this other person, the likely candidate. Oh, look at them. They are prime. They are ready to go. That's how to receive the kingdom of God. That's how to receive salvation through Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at these right today, this morning. Where are you? What boat are you in? Let me read verses 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. So we have this scenario where Jesus is somewhere at at this point. And we have these little children coming his way. I think their parents are bringing them to Jesus. The disciples, still not getting it. And I I put myself in the same boat as them. Sometimes I can kind of be a knucklehead. And I just don't get it. I just don't get it. So they're coming and they're saying, no, 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 keep these children away from Jesus. You you are not important. Our master, our rabbi, is important. He doesn't have time for you. He does not have time for you. You are that unlikely candidate to get to Jesus. Jesus, frustrated, he was indignant towards the disciples. Most likely because just, well, in the last chapter, however long that was ago. The last chapter, he says this in verse nine, chapter 9, verse 37. Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. And then we have the disciples over here just a little bit later saying, no, keep the children away. And they're not getting it. You see the scenario played out. Jesus upset at the disciples for what they're doing. And he teaches us, you and I, a very important lesson here. Though we might think, or the disciples thought, that these children were unlikely candidates to come to the Master, Jesus. In fact, Jesus says something totally different that we might not even think ourselves. And he says this, I tell you the truth, verse 15, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. The disciples at this point were probably like, what? What are you talking about? During that time, uh, that era, Children were really not valued. They were not um, upheld. 
as much as they are today, at least in our society. We, we uphold children. We value children. Um, what they have to offer and how we can instill in them uh, to make them uh, great young men and women. But that wasn't the same kind of thought back then. They were you know, just a few steps uh, above a dog or so. Probably, not, probably a little bit more than that. But they weren't valued. So for Jesus to say something like that, and no one will enter the kingdom of heaven, no one will have salvation, no one will be born again, unless you come to Jesus like a child. Well, how does a child come to Jesus? How, how would we come to Jesus like a child? For the most part, well, children are humble. They come humbly, for the most part. When you tell a child something... They tend to believe it automatically. They trust you. They put their entire faith in you. Until you tell them to do something. No, you can't do that. And they go all over the place. I have a two-year-old. It's great. Jesus says, you will not enter the kingdom of God unless you come to him like a little child. Humbly. My life is not my own. I give it to you freely. That is the likely candidate. Where are you? Let's look at the other likely candidate. And I want you to know as we go into this, this will be in a verse, we'll start in verse 17. Just continue on in the passage. I want you to know that the Gospels are put together with a purpose. You know, sometimes you read the Gospels and you're like, all these stories are just so spliced together, it just seems like they're all over the place, and this happened, and then this happened, and this happened. I want, you to let, I want to let you know that the Gospel writers put these stories together of Jesus together in a particular way for a particular purpose. The Holy Spirit, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they did this in order to teach us something. And we have this story right here of the little children that we just read about. And that coincides with this next story in order to teach us a lesson. And we're going to see a huge contrast between those little children coming from their, with their parents to Jesus and then this guy. So as I read a little bit, I just want you to try to see the contrast between the two stories and what, what is... What is Jesus trying to teach us here? It says this in verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So my first question is this. Where are the disciples in this? Why weren't they stopping this guy? So we got a guy sprinting towards Jesus... When little children are just walking with their parents, they got this guy sprinting towards Jesus, and they do nothing. Well, we find later in the passage that this guy's rich. Oh, man, he's, bring on this guy. He's going to make our efforts uh, a little bit better. He's going to make our group look better. We got this rich guy coming in, rich young ruler. 
yeah, come on in. Slide on in. Didn't stop him. You, you can see the writer, the gospel writer here, putting this contrast between what just happened previously and now. He said, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, let me ask you. What in the world would you do if someone ran up to you and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, I know what I would do. I, I, I would do, you know, I'd go to the Four Spiritual Laws, I'd go to Romans Road, you know, some of you away the Master, or whatever it might be. But then there's Jesus. Jesus does something totally different. And he starts off this way. Why do you call me good? Uh, what, what are you doing? What's happening here? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. That wouldn't be my approach. (laughs) But Jesus knows the heart of this individual. He knows where he's at. He knows what he needs to hear. He's doing this for a purpose. And it's to get the gentleman to think. And just to let you know that Jesus is not promoting a works salvation gospel. He's not doing that whatsoever, as we'll find out a little bit later on in the passage. Well, teacher, in verse 20, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Oh, really? You've kept all those since you were a boy. It may be true. I know when I was three years old, I stole a piece of bubble gum one time. I, I, I totally messed up on this, uh, this list here. I've done this. I've kept this since I was a boy. Well, Jesus looked at him. And he loved him. Jesus knew his heart. How would you react when people come into our services who don't know Jesus, trying to get to know them, but are just a little bit different than you? I don't know, extreme case. It's not even really extreme, but someone comes in with a different colored hair, pink, wearing all black, or whatever it might be. How do you treat them? Do you love them? Do you show compassion for them? Because they're going to have questions. Jesus was one who loved, even though he knew this guy was lost. And a little arrogant. Oh, I've done all this since I was a boy. And this is what Jesus says. One thing you lack. Verse 21. He said, 
Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. I'm glad I'm not rich like some of you guys out there. I am young, but... uh, What does this mean? Does this mean that in order to have salvation, in order to enter into the kingdom of God, we got to sell everything? That's what Jesus said to this guy. So I expect next Sunday that the offering plate will be full. Just kidding. (laughs) To be honest, really all of us are in that same boat. Really just depends who you're comparing yourself with. I might not I might not make as much as you. But if we compare myself or my salary to the rest of the world, I'm rich. I would be in the same kind of boat that this rich young ruler is in. So do we sell all that we might have eternal life? Jesus is not saying that. At least that's not what he means. He really wants this rich young ruler to look in his heart because the rich young ruler had a problem that he did not see himself. Yes, I've obeyed it all since I was a boy. I've obeyed all these commands. What else do I need to do? I have it all together. There was one thing that he didn't have all together. He had an idol in his life that he was worshiping and it was his possessions. Jesus pushed his finger on that. He says, you give it up and you come follow me. In essence, this is what Jesus was saying. Repent. Repent means to turn from. Turn from your idols. Turn from your sinful way. Turn from those things and come follow me. And you will have life. And just to let you know, there were many people in the Bible who were believers in Christ who were rich. For instance, there was a man named Theophilus in, um, you read about him in Luke, first chapter. And he most likely endorsed the book of Luke to be written and the book of Acts as well. That was a pretty expensive endeavor back then to write that much on scrolls or parchment. So, It's not necessarily wrong to be rich. Barnabas had land. He gave some away. He kept some. And there were other people as well. Peter, he kept his house in Capernaum. He didn't give everything away. But this guy had an issue. He had an idol and he was following after his possessions. There can be only one God in your life. And that's Jesus. To follow any other God, whether it's food whether it is possessions, whether it is the ideal or idea of love, whatever it might be, popularity, I don't know. There can be only one God in your life. And he calls us to repent of those in turn and follow him. Well, Jesus looked around in verse 23 and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Well, how hard is it? 
The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. How hard is it? It's impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And he shows that through the illustration that he gives. It is impossible for a huge camel to enter into the tiny eye of a needle. Impossible. Cannot be done. In the same way, it is impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were absolutely stunned. And this is how they react to what Jesus just said. The disciples were even more amazed, in verse 26, and said to each other, Well, then who then can be saved? I guess you could say a modern day example of this would, would be if Jesus came here and said, It is hard or impossible for a pastor to enter the kingdom of God. You're like, Well, if a pastor can't enter the kingdom of God, I have no chance. Well, if you knew some of the pastors I did, you probably, would, probably wouldn't think that. But I'm not talking about them. Um, it is impossible. And you're thinking as you read this, well, what, what can we do? Jesus gives us hope at the end and clears things up a little bit more. Verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And it's not only impossible for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's impossible for the impoverished. It's impossible for the little child. It's impossible for any to enter the kingdom of God. But it is possible with God and he made a way. And Jesus was that way and is that way. And he came and died that you may enter that way. So he calls us all here, those who, one, are not a believer in Jesus and are trying to figure this thing out. I want to call you today to come to Jesus just like a little child with humility, trust, faith, Repentance. Lord, I've been going my own way my entire life. I give it to you because you are the only one that can save. I cannot save myself. No good thing that I do will save me or gain me favor with you. You did it for me on the cross. You rose again from the dead in order to prove that what you did on the cross was sufficient and satisfactory for God. So for those in here who don't have a relationship with Christ, I tell you today, come to Him today. Turn from your sin. Turn and follow Jesus. For those in here today who do have a relationship with Him, I just want to tell you this, that we don't receive Jesus by faith or by grace through faith, and then we do the rest of the Christian walk by ourselves. 
It is the same thing. We continually come to Jesus just as little children. Lord, I need You. I need You. I need Your grace to work in me. We need to continually do the same thing. So as you follow Jesus, come to Him as a little child. Follow Jesus. Follow Him. And as we go back again to Mark chapter 8, He calls us as disciples of Jesus to deny ourselves. That doesn't mean just denying yourself a piece of chocolate cake. Because tonight, God willing, if somebody does bring chocolate cake, we will indulge. But then some of you probably need to repent afterwards too. It means this. You are to deny yourself as headship over your own life. Deny that. And give it all to Jesus. He is your master. He is your commander. He is your chief. So when He gives the call, when He gives the commands, we obey just as children would obey. That's, that's, I'm making that sound easier than it is. But that's what we are to do. Just as a child would say, okay, well, good children do that, okay. <laughs> but your children will do that. <laughs> yes, sir, I will do it. That's what we are to do. So, uh, what, we, what we need to be is like the unlikely, likely candidates. These little children. Where are you today? Would you respond to God's word today as he calls you to do so? Father, we ask that your name might be praised, that Jesus' name might be lifted up. Holy Spirit, please work in the lives of each one of us. We all need to change. We all need to grow closer to you. We all need to continually deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow. Oh Lord, help us to become like little children who come to you with humility trusting in you fully, being absolutely and totally satisfied in you. And Lord, that we would remove the idols out of our life and that we would follow solely, only you. That your name might be praised, that your name might be lifted up. We pray for those in here who may not have a relationship with you, Lord. I pray that you would continue to work in their hearts. Help them to understand your word. Help them to understand who Jesus is and what he did for them. Lord, I ask that you would bring them to repentance and faith in Jesus, that they might have life, that they might die to themselves and have life. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.